Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Morning, everyone. Um, everyone warm? Not really. I see it's four degrees. Um, I just want to say, I think you can give the person next to you a hand of applause for being here this morning. Like... It takes some serious commitment <laughs> to be here this morning. Um, I have the, the massive privilege this morning of uh, continuing on our series in Colossians. Uh, I was making a joke this week that we've been crawling through it, um, you know, verse by verse, um, really taking it nice and slow. Um, but I think it's, it's really been encouraging me to also slow down just in general on how I read scripture. Um, and so if you've been frustrated by how slow we've been going through this, I want to encourage you to slow down. Um, the Lord wants to build patience. Um, so this morning we're going to continue with Colossians 1, and we're going to go from verse 15 to 17, full three verses. Um, but before we do that, I want you to turn to the person next to you, and we'll give each of you a minute to explain to that person who is Jesus. Easy question. Okay. That was a little bit less than two minutes. <laughs> who found that a difficult question to answer? It's okay if you find it difficult. No one needs to be perfect. Um, it's, it's not difficult because we, we don't know who Jesus is. I think when I, when I was thinking about this question, you almost don't know where to start, right? Um, you might go and you might feel like, okay, if I think of Jesus, some of you might have thought of his deeds first and foremost, that he is a miracle worker, that he healed people. Some of you might have thought of what he's like, that he is loved, that he is sinless, that he is pure. Others have maybe went straight to the cross and went that he died for our sins on the cross. He was resurrected. And, and for the, the teachers, they might have gone straight into history of like, he lived 2,000 years ago. <laughs> you know, he's, he was Jewish. He was born of Mary. Um, and maybe some of you explained who Jesus is to you that he's your Lord, that he's your Savior. Um, and, and so the reason I'm asking that question is because over the, over the past few weeks in the start of Colossians, we read of Paul, and I'm just going to give us some context again. Paul is speaking to the Colossian church, and he's writing this letter, and he's saying to them how he has heard of them. So Paul has never met the church of Colossians. And Paul is writing this letter, and he's telling them of how he has heard of their faith, their faith in Christ, how they've come to know Jesus, come to hear the gospel, not just hear it, but to understand it. And he doesn't stop there. He says that what I'm hearing is like how this gospel has been changing your lives, how it's bearing fruit, how it is playing out in how you are loving all of God's people, right? And then Paul writes this prayer. And he prays for them. He prays that they would be filled with might and strength. And then he says that they would, um, 
He prays for them that they would increase in their knowledge of God. Right? And then, basically, where we're going to kick off this morning is from verse 15. And Paul then sort of takes a bit of a shift. He does not focus on the Colossian church. He does not say anything encouraging to them. But he focuses all of his attention to explain to the Colossian church of who is Jesus. And so he explains to believers who have heard the gospel, who have understood it, who is bearing fruit. He's taking the time to explain to them who is Jesus. And so if you are in that category, then I think we can listen because that, and that's why I asked that question. So Paul is going to answer that for us. Um, so before I start, let me pray for us. Father God, we, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you that it is trustworthy, Father God. Um, we thank you, Lord, that uh, we can learn from you, Lord. And thank you that, Lord, you are God and that we, we can never place you in a box, Father God. We can never think that we can fully understand you. So we pray, Lord, that you would really come and speak to our hearts, Lord, that you would break the boxes of our understanding, Lord, that you would, like Paul prays, that you would increase our knowledge of you. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're going to read Colossians 1, 15 to 20. And I'm reading, sorry, I'm reading from the ESV. It starts in verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by, that is by means of, or in him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And so I want you to, I want to read verse 15 to 17 again, and I want you to read with me, because I really want these words to, to sink into our hearts. It's so dense. In fact, uh, some of the commentators say that none of Paul's letters that he's written carries such a rich description of who Christ is than Colossians 15 to 20. And so I just want to read from 15 to 17. So let's read it together. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by, that is, by means of, or in, sorry, him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Say to the person next to you, you're created by Christ. Okay. All right. Um, so we're going we're gonna to jump straight in, and we're going to pretty much start with the first 
sentence where it starts with he is the visible image he is the image of the invisible god right what a what a weird sentence how can you image something that is invisible right i cannot ask you to take a picture for me of an invisible chair and you can aim and i'm like no not that one that one right we it, it feels a little bit like a contradiction but if we read the scripture carefully um, paul is taking the visible which is jesus the one who walked earth the one who we have a, a visible tangible image of and paul's attaching the invisible god to this visible image of who jesus is right and so this gives us this makes things extremely important because what paul is then saying is that if you want to understand the invisible god then you have to know who jesus is right you have to there's no way of knowing the invisible god if you do not study and know who jesus is and then vice versa you cannot know who jesus is if you do not connect the invisible god to him it's a both way and and so paul goes into this he uses this rich word image and and most of us when we think of an image in our context we do not think of movement we do not think of dialogue we think of we think of a moment we think of a snapshot like we think of something that is static right might be an art piece or a painting or but but it is definitely static um and so when the bible uses this word image is very different to our context and one of the first places we see this word image used is right in the front of the bible genesis 127 let us make man in our image according to our likeness right but then in colossians we see that It says Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And so the question is when God created Adam does he mean that Adam also is the image of the invisible God? If God says that let us make man in our image according to our likeness, are we talking about the same image? And the answer is no. Um which was really encouraging for me when i i started going through this <laughs> because um when we look at the word in genesis the image used in genesis the hebrew word for that is called tselem i'm going to try and pronounce these things tselem um and it means to re- to resemble or a cut out or a construction of something right and so when we look up at adam that makes perfect sense god constructed adam he's a cutout he's a representation of the image of god right but when we jump to the picture the image in colossians there's a different word used there is a greek word and it's called icon and icon is not just the representation it's exactly reflecting its source uh, the other way of saying it is it doesn't necessarily just resemble its source it's drawn from it Right and so to explain this to you even more if I had to tell you a story and say like I went to the mountains in Alaska I don't I've never been there and there was a a waterfall a beautiful waterfall 
Um, and I tell you about this waterfall, and you're like, wow, sounds amazing. And I'm like, no, but that's not the best part. You should have tasted the water. It's like nothing you've ever tasted before. Like the clearest, the most purified, the best thing you've ever tasted when it comes to water. And so me trying to explain to you how does water taste, I find the best filter water that I can find, and I let you taste it. I'm like, you see how clear it is? Taste it. Okay, now you've got that. Times 20, that's the waterfall, <laughs> right? What am I trying to do? I'm trying to give you a, a representation of the waterfall. That is the image of Adam. It represents, like, it is pure, it is filtered, it is clean, it tastes good, but it's not the waterfall, right? You guys with me? But it's a big difference when I give you a glass bottle, bottle with water from the waterfall, and I say to you, taste this. And all of a sudden, it's no longer a representation, and it's an exact representation. There's no difference between the source and and what you've just tasted. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And it's the exact same thing when Paul speaks of the image of God, be, uh, Jesus being the image of the invisible God. Paul is saying this is not just like, oh, this is nice, times 20. He's saying this is it in the bottle. This is the fullness of God. The full, perfect representation of who he is dwells within Christ. How, it's just such a huge, huge concept for us to understand. And I really want you to, to wrestle with this as we go through it. And so Paul is saying this to the Colossian church. So Paul is contending for the Colossian church to not misunderstand that Jesus is God. And I, I think the question is why? Why would Paul do that? Because if you read, read later on through Colossians, um, Paul is busy contending for the Colossians not to be confused. Because throughout their, now them coming to faith, there's people bringing up philosophies and the worshiping of angels and, um, and, and human tradition, all things trying to add to who God is, trying to distort and shift the image of Christ and the, the beauty of what the gospel carries. And Paul is contending for that, and he starts with Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And he, try, and he makes it very clear to the, um, to the Colossian church that they need to understand that Jesus is God. And, and Paul, this is not the first time Paul encounters this. In 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4, he says, In their case... The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And so Paul understands that if you miss the image of God, which is Christ, it will blind you to see the glory of the gospel, which is Christ. That the whole power that sits behind the gospel sits in the fact that Jesus is God. And so, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And, and so, why does, 
And, and so what Paul is explaining also in Corinthians is that he understands that if God is invisible, inevitably each and every single one of us sitting here has an image of God. Each and every single one of us, why do I say that? Because we do not know, we cannot see God. Therefore, we try and find visible things to, it, to make God visible to us. Right? If you ask the person on the street, who is God to you? He's going to give you some sort of answer. You've heard of people saying, like, if God is love, why is there pain in the world? Their image of God is that God is not an, a God of love. Right? For some people, their image of God is that God is love. God does not punish. He does not discipline. God is love. That's their image. Right? But then on the flip side of things, we sometimes, what we also tend to do is we tend to take the things like Adam, the things that are made to represent God, and we give them the weight that only Jesus can have. We make them the exact image of God. And I'll give you an example. Let's say marriage, for example. Marriage is designed by God. It is instituted by Him. But it is not God. Right? Children, Mama Joyce spoke about it this morning. It's such a gift from the Lord. It represents the Father and the Son. It represents how we relate to Him. It represents so much of who God is. But it is not God. Right? And so we, we need to assess our own image of who God is. We need to actually allow the Holy Spirit to come and speak to our hearts and to show us, Lord, where does our image of who you are, not just as Christ, but as God, where does our image not fit with the life of Christ? And we have to allow the Lord to come and shift that. Um, and, and, and I think that's a question each and every single one of us can ask. Um, Paul goes on to say, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And so this sentence can quickly read as, as if Jesus is the first creation amongst creation, first creature amongst creation, that he was the first person to be created in creation. But that's not what this scripture is saying. Because many religions and people believe that Jesus is a created being. Like Mormonism and Jehovah's Witnesses actually believe that Jesus was created. And that obviously removes that, that Jesus is God. It undermines that. And, and so the next verses breaks that idea completely because it goes on to say for by him all things were created one of the other ways of looking at that for by him it says for um, either by means of him or in him all things were created and so there's no doubt that Paul is not Paul is not saying Jesus is created Paul is saying everything comes through him and Jesus himself Jesus himself knew this. On earth, in, um, in John 17, 
he says in verse 3 to 5, he's praying to the Father and he says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. All right? Jesus, on another stage, he says to his disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. There's no difference. You're not missing out on anything. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Um, John 8, 53, Jesus is speaking to the, the Pharisees about this exact topic. And the Pharisees really struggled to put their minds around this. It says, they're asking him, are you greater than our father Abraham who died? And the prophets died. Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him, known him, I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. And so the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. What a statement. What a statement that Jesus not only claims the, the image of God, but he claims the image of creator. He says that I am not only God, but I am the creator. And, and, this, this, um, and it goes on to say in verse 16, um, and I want to give us with this phrase, and it's basically extracted out of verse 16, all things were created in him, through him, and for him. And we're going to read it in verse 16 now. So just say that with me. All things were created in him, through him, and for him. Right? And if we can just read um, Colossians, that part again, verse 16, it says that, sorry, let me just get my scripture here. Um, for, by, for by him, all things, so in him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers and authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And so why, why is this important? Because you and I are created. And this places us into that category that you and I, it's no longer just creation. We, you, are created in him, through him, and for him. And what this means is that that leaves nothing untouched. That everything you and I are, everything that we, that we, the reason we are walking on this planet Earth is because of him. And the, the purpose of why we are on Earth is for him. And, um, and so... Jesus is no longer just a, a representation of who God is, but he is now the creator, he is the purpose, he is the reason, he is everything of why we exist. And what I really want us to understand this morning is that, you know, we, we've seen Jesus as creator, we've seen him as God, but the question might be, okay, how does this relate to us? Um, 
I said earlier that if we pause, Paul says that we preach Christ. Because Paul knows that if I, if I can just give you the revelation of who Christ is, you will know who God is. You will understand the invisible. And so, so all that Paul is trying to, to explain to us is the revelation of Christ. And, and so how does this transform the gospel for us? Because John 1 says that this God, this God that is the creator, the one who everything is made for and through and in, in it says in John 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And then later on it says, and the word became flesh. And he dwelt among us. And that, that is the start of the gospel. The reincarnation of Christ. It's, it's not just a man being born by Mary. It is God coming to earth. The creator of heaven and earth becoming creation. And dwelling among us. And not only did he come to represent God, not only did he come to represent the invisible, he came to represent the visible. Because when God, it said in Genesis 1, that let us make man in our image. And one chapter later, that image falls. Adam and Eve sins, and we fall from the original image that God has made us in. And so what Jesus is doing is what only Jesus could have done is he not only comes to represent the invisible, but he comes to represent the visible to us. He not only came to represent creator, but to represent creation. He's the only one that could bridge that gap. He was the only one that could come and live perfectly as creation and still represent God. And not just a resemblance, the perfect image of the invisible God. And so through that, Jesus actually became a bridge. He became a bridge so that we could cross the gap from the visible to the invisible, so that we can understand and understand who the invisible God is. And he did all of that so that he can reconcile Again, in verse 20, later on, it says that he could reconcile all of creation to himself, through the giving of himself on the cross. And so, do, do you believe that, that your life as it is, that how you live your life every single day, and that the purpose of your life is in Jesus Christ? Because that is what the scripture says. In him, through him, and for him. And, and does all of your life represent Christ? Because Jesus didn't come to represent a snapshot of who God is. He didn't come to do that. He didn't come to represent God just on a Sunday or on a Wednesday. He modeled a whole lifetime. 
a moving, living example of who God is and who creation ought to be. How amazing is that? And so, in uh, verse 17, it goes on to say that He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And so not only are we made in Him, through Him, and for Him, but all of creation is sustained by Him. And that implies that you and I when we are made in Him, through Him, and for Him, that we need Him every single day of our lives. He is the only one that can sustain His creation. He is the only one that can give us exactly what we need. And, and so, why is it important for us to understand that Jesus is God and that He is our Creator? It's because when we understand that and we start understanding that we are creation, and that we need our Creator. But there is a bit of a, a culture, like in, in our lifetime, and, and you know, on the, in the physical, you are raised up to become independent as soon as possible. I know that's my goal with JP. Like, get him independent as soon as possible. Get him out of the house. <laughs> um, you know, that's the goal with all parents. Like, you want your child to become independent as soon as possible. Right? You don't want to depend on your parents all, all of your life. Um, amen? Or am I the weird one here? <laughs> um, but, but, in the, but in the spiritual, it's the other way around. We, we never get to grow up. That's why... We are called children all throughout Scripture. It never changes to God's adults and then God's children, right? If you are mature in Christ, you are a baby spiritually. I mean, not because that we are drinking spiritual milk. It means that you are fully, fully dependent on Him. And so, um, and so Jesus, the creator of all things, the one in whom, in him, through him, and for him we are made, and by whom we are sustained every single day of our lives. In John 1.10, it says that uh, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own. And his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So can I ask the band to come up, please? Um, A.W. A. Tozer makes this... Um, this very strong quote, and he says that what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about you. I'm going to say that again. What comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about you. 
And what Tozer is saying is that if your image of the invisible God is Christ, that will determine your life. But if your image of the invisible God is creation or other things, if you build your own image, then that will determine your life. It says that those who did not, his own creation did not know him because they did not know who their creator was. And, and I think that's exactly the reason why Paul is writing this to the Colossians, because he doesn't want them to make the same mistake. And I think how encouraging it is for us when we stand here and we put up our hands and we worship and we sing of Jesus and we speak of the cross. We don't just speak of a man. We speak of God. Amen? And each and every single one of us, as we understand the gospel of Jesus coming to die on the cross on our behalf. The Creator is not dependent on creation. No one forced Him to the cross. He went willingly. He is God. He didn't have to go. He did it because He wanted His creation to reconcile them back to Himself. He chose as the Creator to bring His creation back to Himself. And so I want you to understand, as you understand the cross, as you understand Jesus hanging on the cross and dying for you, I want you to add to that this morning. And when I say add, I want you to widen that. And it's not just Jesus. It is God himself dying for you. So that you cannot just have a relationship with Jesus in the Bible, but to have a relationship with the invisible God through him. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.